0: Our Lady of Grace homilies are brought to you by a generous parishioner who encourages you to join in prayer for mission churches worldwide. Explore the Frontiers of Faith podcast for further insights into these missions. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. That Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say, they were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. From the cloud came a voice, This is my beloved son, Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone, except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant, the gospel of the Lord. Our first reading from Genesis, the story of Abraham and Isaac, can be a reading that's a bit difficult for some people. Whereas we know by the end of the story, it was never God's intention that Abraham actually carry out what was asked of him. But it can still be a little disturbing, asking the question, why would God even ask it in the first place? Why would Abraham say yes? Some of you may have heard this explanation before. In order to understand this, we have to understand the cultural context of the time, and the context scripturally. Right at this point, Abraham only knows the one true God because he's appeared to him. This is the beginning of what we would call organized religion in terms of worship of the one true God. Nothing is written down yet. Abraham's really the first to experience this revelation. He knows nothing except what God has told him. When God gives him this command, it wouldn't have seen that out of the ordinary to Abraham. He would have assumed that the one true God is simply acting like any other pagan god, demanding these ridiculous sacrifices. So we have here is a sort of teaching moment. Along with showing Abraham's obedience, this is a chance for the Lord to teach him that he is not like those other gods. It is a story about what kinds of sacrifice God does and does not ask of us. This gets interesting, though, if we compare this story to the New Testament. Let's take a look at John 3.16, right? everybody's favorite Bible verse. It's actually a little disturbing if we compare it to the story from Genesis. Is that John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son This sounds like God the Father is doing exactly the very thing that he taught Abraham not to do. So what gives? There's a key to unraveling this, understanding both of these. Here's the key. The key to understanding both of these passages is that the person making the sacrifice is not who you think it is. In the story of Abraham and Isaac... If you actually look at the timeline here, most people picture Isaac in the story as like a kid, a young boy. If you look at the timeline, we know that that Sarah died 30 years after giving birth to Isaac. We also know that Sarah died during this journey that Abraham and Isaac take. It tells us that Isaac was in his 30s, at least. This gets cut out of the lectionary, but there's a place in this passage where Abraham puts the wood for the sacrifice on Isaac's shoulders, has him carry it. He does this because Isaac is the one who is strong enough to carry it. Abraham is not. He's an old man. The point of this, Isaac is a fully grown man with a free will of his own, and he is stronger than Abraham. He is the one, physically speaking, in a place of power in this. Isaac has a choice. It is within his power to leave, to walk away from the situation. But he makes the choice to stay. Abraham's not really the one offering the sacrifice in this story, at least not alone. Isaac offers the sacrifice. Isaac makes a gift of himself. Similarly, in the New Testament, Jesus says, I lay down my life freely. No one takes it from me. Like I said at the beginning, the story from Genesis is a story about what kinds of sacrifice God does and does not ask of us. It teaches us that he doesn't ask us sacrifices like the pagans, an arbitrary exchange of something valuable for further blessings. That isn't what he asks of us. He owns all of it anyway. It wouldn't do anybody any good. What he does ask of us is a gift of self. The same thing he asked of his apostles when he taught them to imitate him. Right, this is something really important to be thinking about during Lent, because this really affects how we pray, especially during this kind of season where we're frequently offering sacrifices. Right, what does this look like? Are we offering our prayer? Are we offering our sacrifices during Lent? as a sort of exchange, like the pagans offer their sacrifices. All right, God, I want this new job, and I know you want this bucket of rosaries, so let's make a switch here. And it's not a way of prayer in which we are giving ourselves. We're not giving over our heart in that. Right, God didn't want to take Abraham's son. He wanted his heart. He wanted this gift of self. We can throw all sorts of things at God without offering ourselves, without actually giving over our heart. We think about the rich people in the gospel who went to the temple and donated these very large donations of lots of money, but at the end of the day, it was all stuff that didn't matter to them. It was from their excess. We think about during the time of the kings when the Lord said, I desire not sacrifices, but an obedient heart. Right. Regardless of what we can bring to the table, it was never about that. Like I said, everything belongs to God from the start. So the questions we ought to be asking ourselves during Lent, it's not so much of questions like, what's the hardest thing I can give up? We ought to be asking questions like, is this faith, this relationship with God, is is that what we're really in love with? Is it what gets us up in the morning? Is it what we dream about for our future, for ourselves and our kids? Or is this what keeps us going, what motivates us? A good Lenten practice, a good Lenten sacrifice isn't, giving up something that is big or valuable. It's whatever frees our heart to desire a relationship with God more deeply. So are we thinking about these Lenten sacrifices? Are we thinking I'm going to give this up because it's it's really difficult and it's going to show how tough I am. Or I'm going to give this up because it's something unhealthy and I want to be more fit. What we ought to be saying is I'm going to give this up because this is something that threatens to capture my heart and draw it away from my truest love, from the one who loves me more than anyone else. Right, this is a gift of self that God asks of us. like He's asking a lot. That's true. In a way, he's asking everything. But if you think about it, right, it's no different than it was in the beginning. Right, to say he wants a gift of self is just to say he wants us, right? not what we have Not what we bring to the table, not all the stuff that we can give him. He wants us. That's what we were made for in the first place, to love and be loved by him.